Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Salaam alaikum, everyone. Uh, we really uh, appreciate everybody joining us for this uh, very important conversation. I would consider it one of our uh, existential moments as an Islamic center, uh, as a community, as a society. Uh, as we're dealing with uh, the coronavirus, uh, on the one hand, uh, the deeper problem is the virus of racism. And uh, it has reared its ugly head, uh, not, not, not like it has disappeared and then shown up again, but only because we have shown light on it. And if, if you haven't done so yet, please read the article of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar today in the Los Angeles Times, latimes.com, where he talks about we need to show more light because uh, it's like dust in a room. You don't see it when it's dark. But when the sun comes through the window, you see all the dust particles, um, and more light needs to be shown on this uh, on this virus of racism to show where we need to be cleaning up. And uh, with that, I'd like to have our um, chairperson, uh, Dr. Lena Saraf, to to begin with her opening remarks. Lena, we cannot hear you. Lena? Lena, I see you're, you're in. Can you, Madam, can you unmute uh, Lena Saraf to let her yeah, speak? Yeah, no, she, she's got a connection problem, I believe. I'm trying, it's not okay. showing anything. All right, well, when, when, when she comes back, let me know, and then we'll, uh, we'll let her, uh, let her comment. So let's go right into the panel because we have a, an hour. We'll probably go a little bit more than an hour, but obviously we have a lot of landscape to cover. Uh, I, I wanted to start with uh, Imam Tariq Akil. I think uh, uh, Imam Tariq, uh, you and I are the OGs of the group. Uh, we, were, <laughs> we were there in 1992 when we saw uh, the fires come down Vermont Avenue uh, and uh, we dealt with that situation. And it seems like not much has changed. No. Uh, so I wanted to ask you to just go ahead and start uh, reflecting, if you can, on uh, the situation. What has changed? What has not? Okay. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Ashadu wa la ilaha illallah wa ashadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah. So as Muslims, every time we start any significant event or affair, we start by recognizing first and foremost that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always in control. Regardless of how we see things, Allah is in control. And we as human beings who are Muslims, when we engage in these events, we bring something to the table that brings justice, balance, and ultimately peace. And that is the Islamic perspective. And without that, we are simply members of the choir singing the same old song. And although the specific concern before us right now is the killing of George Floyd, I want to widen the scope just a little bit so that we can show some additional things that we are dealing with. It started with first us hearing that the coronavirus was in Korea and in China. Then we discovered it was in the state of Washington in New York. Then we were told that the group that was most at risk was the elderly. And then kids began to die. Brothers in the hood were saying, man, I don't know what these white folks did, but this coronavirus is really kicking their butt. And then statistics showed us that our ethnicity was the highest group dying. The virus exposed racial inequity, 
that had been ignored for years. Now fast forward to a black man handcuffed, subdued on the ground with an officer's knee on his neck until he dies. What has happened is we have had a convergence point of the social, economic, and political inequities in the African-American community. That I understand when you say it has reared his head, but you're right, it hasn't gone anywhere. It has become more subtle. It has become more uh, 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 covert. We are told as Muslims, don't go over problems again and again unless you're willing to bring forth a solution. And so very quickly and very succinctly, I want to throw out three quick points. First of all, we should start with self. We should start with our own community, the role that we have. And I am suggesting, I am urging the Muslim community to make a part of your regular khutbas topics, the the, your classes, to sensitize our community to the historical contributions and inequities of the African-American community. We can walk and chew gum. Also, our Sunday school classes so that we can raise up a generation of children that don't have to face what we're facing now because they have already been educated and brought into a better knowledge. One of the things that the Islamic Center of Southern California has pioneered in, I mean really pioneered in, is working with supporting and partnering with the African-American community. And in those efforts at alliance and cooperation, I wanna add something that is historical, but also scriptural, that I think will be of help. It comes from Prophet Musa alayhi salam. Now, we know that he was raised in the house of Pharaoh. He was educated under Pharaoh's system, but Allah sent him not only to Pharaoh, but to his own people. But Moses had never labored under the whip of the overseer. He had never made uh, 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 bricks in the sun. He had never been crowded and huddled in the, the close proximity in the land of Gosha that they lived in. Allah gave him a partner to go with him that had those sensitivities in Aaron. My suggestion is that as you begin to partner, as the Muslim community begins to reach into the inner city and go in and try and do some work and be supported, look for your Aaron. Look for that individual that is sensitive to, that can eloquently express, that is honest and sincere, and can help you traverse and navigate that landscape. Look for your Aaron, inshallah. And with that, I wanna pause so that we can get into the panel. Thank you so much for including me. I would like to say this, regarding the family um, uh, of um, uh, Brother Floyd, Yes. That we that, that we that we give them that we give them the support and and acknowledge the fact that we are with them, and we as Muslims say Inna lillahi wa Inna alayhi rajiun. This means, in my understanding, that every soul, whether in its sojourn in this reality, it is acknowledged that Allah is God or not. Every soul comes from Allah, and every soul returns to Allah. Salam alaikum. Thank you so much. I think that the, the point of self-reflection and looking into how we can sensitize ourselves more and ridding ourselves first and foremost with any uh, racism uh, within ourselves and our community is, is critical and finding that partner. I love the uh, analogy of Musa and Harun. Musa could not do the work without the sensitivity of Harun who knew the ins and outs uh, of the people. We need to do the same uh, as, as we move forward. So thank you for that message Imam Tariq and, and also yeah, yeah. supporting the Floyd family. Uh, let me turn to the spokesperson for the Islamic Center of Southern California right now, uh, Omar Ricci, to get his, his points. 
at this time. Um, uh, thank you to all who have put together this forum in such a timely manner. I, I don't think I can really follow Imam Tarakakil and what he just said. It was just so beautiful, so eloquent, so succinct. Um, look, the, the evil of racism has been a part of this country from its founding and from before. Uh, it is something that obviously we as a country uh, have not dealt with as yet. As yet. Um, the question from my perspective is as a Muslim and, 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 and to emphasize what Imam said about uh, uh, we are all souls from God. And so we, you know, believe in La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah. How do we offer something new? What do we find in our Quran? What do we find in the prophetic tradition that allows us to, 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 to to be a shining light or start a, a, a movement that will this time be different. What can we be, what can we do as authentic Muslims and as authentic Americans to, to start to create an authentic change? Because as was said by Salam, you know, the OGs, and I think myself as part of the OG group, but that's okay, I'm still young, um, is, is we're repeating here in 2020 what happened in 1992, what happened in 1968, what happened. So obviously the country has not gotten it right. The country has not really progressed. What do we have to do to make that change? And so I think from us, from our standpoint as an American Muslim community, I believe Islam has something new to offer. Now, can we as a Muslim grasp and understand that? I think any discussion about dealing with racism in this country cannot ignore the problem of racism within the Muslim community. Yeah. That Muslims with, uh, within our own community, in our own private social gatherings, you sometimes hear, Alhamdulillah, uh, and I want to, in whatever, whatever circle it turns out to be, there is something said about the other, whether that's an African-American, whether that is a Pakistani, whether that is an Arab, whether that is, whatever it turns out to be. You cannot address, think you can address the issue of racism in this country in the 400, 500 plus years of that without getting your own soul in your own house in order first. So that I think is just as important. If we believe that this faith, this, this incredible faith of ours has something to offer the nation and help be a healing agent and a curing agent and an elevating agent, we had best get our house in, in order first. Thank you. Thank you, Omar. And I think the message of dealing with uh, racism within our community, I, I've been hearing that more and more, and I, I hope that we begin to do that cleansing and removing that satanic whisper that I'm better than you because I am X and you are Y. Uh, like Satan said, I'm better than Adam because I'm made out of fire and he's made out of clay. Uh, that satanic form of racism has been with us uh, from the beginning and it's still with us. And, and the more cleansing, inshallah, from this Ramadan, it helped us do the cleansing, but the more we do it, uh, the, the better uh, for our own sake and for our community. So I think that message of dealing with racism within our community uh, is critical. Uh, now I want to go to uh, Omar Hakim. And uh, Omar, you have been very much 
involved with uh, with these issues, uh, dealing with law enforcement, with community leaders, with public officials, uh, and 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 I want you to comment on this this paradox in our own society. On the one hand, we talk about diversity and e pluribus unum. For many, we are one, and and equity and justice and freedom and justice for all. On the other hand, our country was founded on the notion and the and the issue of white supremacy, uh, committing genocide against uh, Native Americans, and then uh, enslaving hundreds uh, for, for hundreds of years, um, tens of millions uh, of African American uh, African Americans. So, how how should we pursue this issue moving forward, navigating in terms of dealing with the paradox of white supremacy on the one hand, and the ideals of our society on the other? Omar Hakim. In the name of Allah, most gracious, most merciful, as the son of Adam, I bear witness that there's none worthy of worship except Allah alone. And I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, may the peace and blessings of God be upon him, is the messenger of Allah. Allah is the proper Arabic word for God. we must address this as the struggle since the beginning of time. I woke up different this morning. I woke up different this morning because I finally watched the video in full length of, a, of, 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 a, of someone who's supposed to protect people, kill a man, with his hands in his pocket. I woke up this morning because that man who's who's who was who who was being killed had a knee on his neck asking for his mama. Nothing more the black mother it's the second greatest force to the black man other than God most high. I woke up this morning thinking about when my mother I woke up this morning thinking about my mother <coughs> coming to this country in 1965 or 64 and her first battle was racism was from her own people. In that context she improved herself and made herself a part of the struggle to help others. How are we going to address this situation? Last week Friday we had a call to action. I'm also, I wear many hats. I represent many communities, but right now I'm a black man in America. So please forgive me for my words. No need to forgive you, brother. No, 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 man. No, but check this out. I'm the board president for LA Voice. I'm a board member at LA Voice. I'm the director for Intellect, Love and Mercy Foundation. 
but right now I'm a black man in America. I woke up different this morning because, because I saw the, a man express he wanted his mama to a man who has a mother, but he ignored it. Mm. He mm. ignored it. He didn't even recognize his own mama that the man he was kneeling on had a mama. I woke up different this morning. I'm asking all my communities, all my friends, to organize, use your influence, draw your letters of solidarity, not for us, but for you. Transform the insides of your own communities, the Muslim community especially. Because before we heal somebody else, we got to heal ourselves. Right. I woke up different this morning. The energy. Thinking about my children. My youngest son has roots in South Africa. So apartheid is in my family as well. I woke up different this morning to ask all people who are watching this. That's why I'm standing right now. I'm not sitting down. I'm standing. If you're watching this, stand up against police brutality, excessive force, the liberation of the son of Adam. Even if we have to wait to the day of judgment to get it, God has given us a promise that he will give us his mercy on that day. I woke up different this morning about a whole lot of things. But what I want to communicate to the people that is watching this broadcast, you are a part of the solution. I'm very proud of South Los Angeles service planning area exists we didn't do no riding no no looting that was a that was above the 10 freeway but those leaders that's, that 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 exist above the 10 freeway now this is your problem step out and protect those protesters who want a peaceful protest LAPD who are community partners to us we have a lot to talk about I want to thank you for the previous conversations that we had last week, but ensure the safety of those protesters because they are even tired of seeing black unarmed joggers, handcuffed men being killed from someone within the community of the law enforcement. I woke up different this morning asking everybody who's watching this situation <clears throat> to help. I wanna thank everyone who has given us, who sent me all the texts, all, all, all the messages of support, major love and respect to my Compton family. We've been in the struggle since day one. <clears throat> I want everybody to know on this call, 
you are the son and daughter of Adam and Eve. And what does that mean? You was giving God's gift of life and no one with a badge, no one with a white supremacist ideology has the right to reap that from us. So I woke up this morning feeling great, feeling good. As the son of Mary, my mother's name is Mary. I woke up this morning feeling great. So with all my hats, I'm asking, send these letters of support that is posted on the Isla LA page. And when you send them, don't just send them for us. Send them to transform your community. And on June 5th, express this from your pulpits, Muslim community. Let's transform our community and get a collective agenda. And since there's many Muslim communities, it's time for us to be one. Hmm. It's time for us to be one. Power is in the people. Power is in the people. When I hold up this one finger, this is the struggle of Bilal ibn Rabah. Applied force was given to him because he didn't want to believe in the unjust system. He said he held up this one finger under pressure in the hot desert. He said, Ahad, Ahad, which means one, one God. So I bear witness as the son of Adam. There's none worthy of worship except God alone. And I bear witness that Muhammad is his message. And I'm asking for solidarity from all communities, especially the Muslim community. And, and if this is a national call, let this go out to all the nation and to my people over that I visit in Belgium. I love y'all. This is a world problem. Racism is a world problem. White supremacy is a world problem. So with that, I'm gonna stop calling me right now. You see, I'm on the phone. Man, I don't get that. But so please pay attention to what's going on in this call. And I'm gonna exit because I could go on. So I woke up early this morning feeling great about the struggle because it's a beautiful one. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Wa alaikum salam, uh, Omar Hakim. A beautiful message that we can. We can continue listening to you for hours, and uh, I agree with you that we need to come up with our agenda and uh, talk to law enforcement, talk to our uh, elected officials, and send more statements uh, and expressions of support uh, to Islah LA, uh, and we'll, we will continue doing that, inshallah. And let us all agree that this Jum'ah, June 5th, what Omar was talking about, we will dedicate every Jum'ah uh, to the issue of what happened to Mr. Floyd, the problem of police brutality, the use of lethal force, uh, especially against uh, African-American men and all the other uh, disparities uh, in our society. Uh, with that, I want to go to uh, Ms. Uh, uh, Katrina Hamilton, who's with us. She's an educator uh, and an author. I know you've spoken a lot, Katrina, and you've written a lot about uh, so many topics, and we'd love to have you share your wisdom with us right now. Alhamdulillah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. 
I first I want to thank Brother Umar. Um, I have been watching Brother Umar, my dear friend, Sister Kenyatta, Imam Jihad on the circuit, and they've been holding it down for our community. And I just reached out to Brother Umar. I said, Brother Umar, I need to help. What can I do? And here I am. So thank you, Brother Umar. Um, and thank you all for having me. Um, Imam Tariq, mashallah. Um, it's hard to follow in your footsteps, but I'm definitely going to try. And um, MPAC, I thank you for all of the work that you've done over the years as well. So I want to start by uh, just saying that, you know, again, a lot, I, I echo a lot of what has already been said by the panelists. Um, if we follow as Muslims, if we follow the Sunnah of our beloved Prophet, وسلم, we would not have half the issues that we're having right now. And the reality is we just don't, period, point blank. You know, um, I know we referenced 1992. I was a teenager in 1992. I witnessed it firsthand. I'm from Los Angeles. And, you know, we go out and we talk about what we need to do as a mom, what we need to do as a community. And here we are 20 something years later and we're still talking the same talk. Um, if we reference our books, our Quran, you know, it says in, in Surah 49, 13, O mankind, indeed, we have created you for male and female and made you people and tribes so that you may come together and know one another. Indeed, the most noble and the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most righteous of you. So if we just, if we follow those words, if we just use the Quran and the Sunnah as our guide, we would not be in the situation, but here we are. Institutionalized racism is deep. And it's not just police brutality. As an educator, I've witnessed firsthand, and later on in this presentation, I will screen share with you what institutionalized racism looks like in schools. You know, we talk a lot about the prison pipeline um, with Marion uh, and the Children's Defense Fund, and what I like to call the desk to sale syndrome that we're having because a lot of this starts in school, this deficit thinking model, whether you go to public school or you go to Islamic school, the curriculum is not cohesive and holistic to empowering people of African descent. So when you learn from a child that people who look like me are insignificant, you hold on to that and then you grow and you become imams in, in mosques because mosques, let's be honest, those are also institutions. And we also have institutionalized racism in our mosque all over the country, all over the world. It's not just an African-American problem. It's a problem of people of African descent all over the world. So, you know, I, I, I remember Imam Rashid from Texas. Um, he said, he calls it mosque hurt, you know, so, uh, to give you a background about me, I was, you know, born and raised Muslim here in Los Angeles. I'm in San Diego right now, but I grew up in this community and I've, I've dealt with a lot of the isms, the colorism, the, the racism. And so, you know, we need to really, really work on this before we can be role models for others. We need to look at ourselves. It's been said over and over again, but my dad used to say, talk is cheap, Mr. Do is the man. What are you doing about this? And so, you know, especially I'm, I'm going to fast forward and do some backward planning as a teacher because I have my little thing up. But, you know, as an Uma, we have to stop pitting people of color against each other. 
Right now, alhamdulillah, we have a lot of Latinos who are coming into the community and they're coming into Islam in droves. And I can't tell you how many of my friends who are Latinos are so disheartened about the racism that they see. They're like, Katrina, I can't believe the racism that goes on in Al-Islam. How is it that I, I leave one place to come to another, I become a Muslim because I'm thinking that everything is okay. And then I see how my brothers and sisters who are African-American are being treated by Muslims. Like, you know, what is the deal? I thought Al-Islam was just, you know, and honestly, Al-Islam is just. It's the people who are practicing his law that is messing up our religion. And we need to check them and we need to check ourselves. So with that, I'm gonna stop for now so I can come back and go a little bit more in depth into my presentation, but thank you. Thank you. I mean, just those few minutes, uh, Sister Katrina, I think you, you shed a lot of light for us. Uh, I love the line, we need to practice Islam, not Islam. And uh, that chauvinistic racist mentality creeps into our culture and just following the prophet in the Quran, I mean, the prophet warned us about racism, he says, no Arab is superior to a non-Arab, no black, or no white is superior to a black and vice versa. So we need to start heeding those words and start following them as you, as you eloquently articulated. So thank you. Yeah. And we will definitely go back to you for, for uh, your, your, your screen share and, and your presentation. Uh, but let's uh, wrap up the first round of comments. Uh, and now we go to Wasi Momen, who's a, uh, uh, a longtime member of the Islamic Center, uh, was a leader of the youth group, uh, and still works uh, on many of our issues for the community. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Wa alaikum um, salam. Well, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rasulillah. I think I will, uh, I'm going to be speaking from a generational perspective to impress a few points. Um, and the first is that neutrality in this situation for us is indifference. Right now, what we are seeing on the streets, what we are seeing in our country, this is where the buck stops. The time for us is now. If there's no this is the time to speak up because if we don't do it now, when are we going to do it? Will we be on the right side of history? Because I am telling you for our generation and for what is happening right now, this is a non-negotiable. And it is tough, it is always tough. Every time in this country we've had this conversation, every time um, these situations have presented themselves, there have been real divides. We've fought wars over this, when we integrated schools in 1954, there was real opposition. The National Guard had to be called in uh, for that young girl to be able to walk into her school. Um, and for us, if we see this as an outside sort of issue, uh, if one of the reasons we are, you know, stepping lightly on this is because we, we see it as, as, as something that is affecting other people, the same racism and Islamophobia and anti-Muslim sentiment that affects us stems from anti-Blackness. In other words, there is no Islamophobia without anti-Blackness. Wow. There's no anti-Muslim sentiment without anti-Blackness. And it is because we are Black. A third of Muslims in this country are Black. 
Muslims. So if you want to distance yourself, you're distancing yourself not only from your own Islamic or anti-Muslim struggle, you're distancing yourself from your own community. Um, the second point I'd like to impress after um, speaking about our so-called neutrality, which is an indifference, is that it's everywhere. In the words of, uh, we, we say sometimes, you know, you can run, but you can't hide. In this situation, there is no running and there's no hiding. This is the seminal issue that is undercutting American politics. As, as, as a sister spoke about earlier, in constitutionalism, in economics, in housing, in civil rights policy, in health policy, it is the greatest fissure. It is the greatest opening and flashpoint of American politics, and it has always been. White supremacism doesn't, and white supremacy doesn't exist only in race issues. It is, it is the entire system that props up all kinds of privilege and oppresses people. It is not limited to swastikas and uh, some fringe groups that we can sort of say, this is white supremacism, that's the problem over there, we're gonna go deal with it, everything else is good. What people are frustrated about and what people are writing about, what people are protesting about is the fact that the America that a lot of us as we as immigrants, that we understand it to be, that we yearn for, that we came for, that is not the America that they experience. Um, and a French observer and a writer, Alexander Tocqueville, he, he wrote, this is in the late 1700s, he wrote on the race issue itself. He, he stated that this is the issue that will tear America apart. This is the issue that will tear America apart. And while we might be concerned with, with the looting and, and, and all of that that is going on, I assure you that, and it looks terrible to us, the dissatisfaction runs even deeper, much, much, much more deeper than those stores that we see burning and, and, and the, the cars and the damage that we see done. And it is a, a reaction and it is a logical and expected reaction. And if there isn't reconciliation in our society, that starts with awareness uh, but definitely leads to some kind of redress, we will continue to see a tearing apart of our society. Um, what, we what we are seeing today and what we have seen at different points in the last few years has been something that is a long time coming. And lastly, I'd like to say that this is not a bad apple problem. Um, we have to be real and, and to, to speak specifically to police brutality and to systemic problems within our policing system. It is a cultural problem in our police departments and a cultural problem means that it is widespread, it is sociological. Um, and it, we are not upset merely about the death of George Floyd, but all of the, the, the people that have uh, died and, 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 and all of the, the people that have suffered harassment and injustice at the hands of police departments across the country. And it is, the problem is not Derek Chauvin because we can all look at that and say, this is wrong. The problem is those five officers that chose to do nothing in that moment. The problem is all of those officers that did not speak when we, see all of, when we saw all of the things that are going on um, in the last, I don't know, eight to 10 years of, of, of this being on video recording. Um, there is nothing that is, that is apolitical or it is safe and um, we can sort of speak on it. There's nothing that we can go outside and believe that this issue is not touching. Um, these are the facts. This is what it is. 
um, and to call awareness to it, there's there's a, a great number of resources. Um, but I would I would also I would I would caution I would urge us to to inform ourselves and to read about uh, the history, the economics, um, the oppression that people have faced throughout throughout history and are facing right now. Um, and lastly, I would like to speak to um, what is our role in all of this. I would like to commend the Islamic Center of Southern California, number one, for making a statement um, that is um, speaking directly to the issues and to the causes. Um, and I would like to, to reiterate that if we choose to say or do nothing, that speaks to what side we are taking. What we see in the streets today is desperation because of the fact that we have done nothing. Mm. It is desperation because of the fact that we have done nothing. And I, I know this sounds absolutist or binary, but there comes a time where we have to choose between right and wrong sometimes. And um, an Islam that doesn't stand for something, I don't believe in as Islam at all, and it doesn't alleviate suffering, then it isn't Islam. Um, and if we are an Islamic center, if we are Muslims, if we profess Islam, um, it is our responsibility to speak. Uh, Dr. King said that the arc of justice is long, but it bends towards justice. Um, all of the movements we have seen in this country have been touchstones, have been milestones that have worked towards some kind of progress, but they haven't touched and alleviated and removed the systemic cancers and problems that exist. They still exist today and people are still facing them today. Um, and it will, I believe, happen in this generation, or it won't. And then we will have to deal with the consequences. And those of us who are silent will be responsible for the destruction, for the burning, for the, the reckoning that is to come. Thank you, Wasi. I think you're right, absolutely right. Indifference is not an option, and we'll all bear the brunt and consequences of um, not doing anything about it. And uh, I think your point <clears throat> on, you know, if we're talking about Islamophobia, we have to be talking about anti-Blackness. Um, they're, they're one and the same. Uh, and uh, we, we cannot continue to talk about Islamophobia without dealing with this issue of racism uh, throughout our society. Uh, and indeed, the way Muslims are treated, whether it's here in America or worldwide, is uh, always uh, through the institutionalized racist lens uh, as we, we see the treatment of Muslims all, all around the world uh, being done in that way as well. So uh, I, I think the, the, you know, so many important points were brought up. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have time to really go deep into them, but we have time to go uh, one more round. Um, uh, and, and so I will go back to Imam Tariq Akil and it, Imam Tariq, you know, one of the issues, or the main issue, is the, is the continuous institutionalized dehumanization of people of color in our culture, not just in our laws and uh, our policies and the actions uh, of a few, but in the whole culture of our society. If you could speak to that culture of racism and dehumanization in, in our society and uh, Islam's uh, recommendations for us and your recommendations uh, on moving forward. Inshallah. First, um, 
as I was listening to the other panelists, um, one of the benefits of longevity is, um, is you see a lot. And I was a young boy and I remember going into a train station with my mother and seeing a drinking fountain that said colored and another one said white. And I was confused because I didn't understand why there were two different ones and why I had to go to one and not the other. Over the years, I began to see some of the same things, but they were kind of subtle. It was the gentle moving, like Malcolm said when he was in school. Uh, I had some dreams. My mother said she wanted me to be a doctor. Man, I would have loved that. But um, when I mentioned that to a teacher at one time, I remember her telling me that, well, you have a beautiful voice. Maybe you should be a singer. And can you dance? And so there's this little subtleness of you are not qualified to participate in the upper echelon of the society. You are to be redeemed, uh, you are to be relegated to entertainment or something else, but not given or trusted with the reins of power. This is institutionalized racism. And I hope that uh, the sister or someone else digs into this because when we say it, it rolls off our tongue, institutionalized. It really means that from the inception of this country, from the inception that there was this white privilege, there was this concept of superiority there was this concept that, that we find aligned with Shaitan's approach to life. And in that, even when the constitution of this country, as beautiful as it is, was being written, it was being written by men who had slaves and did not include, the language did not refer to those slaves. When we look at the battles that was fought, we look at the wars that were fought, the Civil War, and we can, you can watch Lincoln movie all you want. That was not a battle that was fought for the liberation or the freedom of black people. That was an economic battle that was tearing apart the country. So again, that problem was never resolved. When we look at the civil rights marches and all of the legislation, that was done for civil rights, not human rights. So it has never been addressed. I would like, I would really urge, I mean, I'm passionate about this because I've lived long enough to feel the brunt of it. I know what it feels like to be a black man in this country walking the street with the human desire to take care of your family, but knowing every application you put in is going into a rubbish bin because they don't want to hire you versus someone who is white. I know what it is like to be cut out of society economically and otherwise, and just because of the color of your skin. So this is a burden and it becomes a psychological problem for us. We walk around as black men with a psychological problem, with a psychosis that we hide under smiles, under laughs, under pleasant conversation. But we are in the back recesses of our mind, we are aware that we are struggling up against a tide. Now, I saw something yesterday morning by a young black rapper. Maybe you don't watch rap, I do sometimes. And I wanna share that because Allah tells us when you speak, say something that goes to the heart of the matter. Don't dance around the periphery of it. Go to the heart of the matter. The thing that he brought up was this, and I would like for you to reflect on this. He said, the, the, uh, institutionalized racism means that you gotta deal with the system, with the institution itself. We can't do this cosmetic thing where every four years or every two years we go and we wanna make the system of institutionalized racism look prettier. We wanna decorate it. We wanna make sure people that is more palatable to people that they can swallow it better. That system has to be dismantled from the inside out. And this is the way that it is done. We are being looked at 
right now at an election coming up. And we should participate in the election because what is happening in, in the leadership needs to be addressed. But that is not, the executive branch is not where the problem lies. We look at what is happening with the mass incarceration of African-Americans and other people of color. That is in the judiciary. And that is a problem that needs to be addressed. But here is where the power lies. It is in the legislature. The judiciary branch upholds the laws made by the legislature. When the executive branch wants to do something, they gotta go to the legislator. We can put as many people of color as we want into positions of power in government. And all they will do is take their seat inside of a institutional racist system. That's all they will do. We need to promote people of good morals. We need to promote people that have values, that, that, that can see the equity of humanity and go through this system and reform it from the inside out because it cannot stand. It is destroying the country. It is destroying the people. It is destroying hope. And we have to do our part. And our part is to be able to produce good people and encourage them and support them to go into changing the laws and changing the system itself from the inside out or it will collapse and we will be a part of the problem again itself. So what America is calling its original sin which is enslaving black people and bringing them to this country. That sin has to be redressed. And the way it is redressed is by giving equality. Now, you can't give anybody freedom. As Malcolm said, freedom is taken. I was at a lecture by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad in 1974, a Savior's Day, where he said, stop looking for saviors. You better become a self-savior. Well, Allah says that in the Quran, save yourself and your family. Quit looking for saviors. We are the individuals. And I like what Wasi said, this is the generation that will get it done. We got some youngsters now that will not take no for an answer. They are guided by Islam. They are guided by the rules of engagement. Allah says in the Quran, when you go into these confrontations, do not hurt people, do not damage their property, do not disrespect, be to your point and try and get as many people to coalesce around you. I like what Umar said about the one. That is how we have to become. When I lived in Los Angeles, I saw all of those massages in Islamic centers. They had one for Bangladesh. They had one for people from Pakistan. They had one from this country and that country. And a wise man who was one of the founders of the Islamic center told me, he said, Imam Akil, let me tell you what is happening. He said, everyone who comes here from another country wants to feel at home. So they replicate home here. And then people start going there. Allah said, feel odd that this is the home of humanity, the whole earth. So let's replicate that instead of these little pockets that represent back home. And let's start with self, with self first. And inshallah, I would like to hear from other panelists. And so I will stop there. You're on mute, Salam. Salam, you're on mute. Thank you, Imam Akil. And let's, uh, you know, with those words, let's start making this our home instead of uh, allowing this talk about going quote unquote, back home, uh, continue to uh, erode the, the fabric of our own community. So we'll, we'll take that to heart, Imam Akil. Um, I want to go to Omar Ricci. Omar, you know, you're also a reserve police officer. You, you see these, these issues from different perspectives. You know, the, the problem of police brutality has been with us for a long time. Sometimes there's this whitewashing where it says, where they say, well, you know, these are just a few bad apples. But it can't just be a few bad apples if it keeps happening 
and that there's a policy of lethal force that's used disproportionately against African-American men. And over 230 of them have been killed as a result of that policy just in the last year alone. So uh, Omar Hakim talked to us about, you know, we need to talk uh, with law enforcement. How do you see us navigating uh, this approach towards law enforcement on dealing with this very important issue? You're on mute. You're on mute, Joanne. How, how do you, can you just round that out? You, how do you see law enforcement, what? How do we navigate our approach towards this issue, even though it is not the only issue, but is still a big part of the problem? Yeah. So, Mr. Malhanarheem and I, uh, uh, yeah, full disclosure, I was gonna say that everybody should be aware of, and a lot of people already know I'm a reserve LAPD officer. I was actually, I worked, just came from working at 15 hours last night. Um, the culture of law enforcement have to change. You have policies, you have procedures, but if you hire people who reflect a certain mentality, a certain approach, you're never gonna root it out. Look, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I did a traffic stop. Uh, I was telling Umar about this the other day. There was a car that almost hit a pedestrian in a crosswalk. So I just saw it, I just saw it, you know, uh, not, not quite out of the corner of my eye, but I saw it happen. And so I said, oh, this guy almost hit a pedestrian in the crosswalk and the pedestrian had to jump back. So uh, I pulled the car over and uh, I went, uh, you know, to the driver's side and the driver was a young African-American male and and I two two things come to mind. Number one, every interaction I have with black or brown communities, and I consider myself part of the brown community, I am informed by four hundred years of history of our country. I do not. I look at I look at the inter interactions I as a police officer when I have that uniform on with black and brown communities and informed in my mind is the history of police brutality, the history of racism, the culture that exists, that law that says order is just a uh, substitute term for potentially racism. I feel that, I experienced that, I'm 51 years old. So when I pulled that young person over, and by the way, I didn't see who the driver was. I, when I first looked at the car, I couldn't tell how many people were in the car. Uh, he was nervous and rightfully so, understandably so. Now, in that case, do I say to myself as a police officer, uh-oh, okay, now I have an African-American male. He was about 25 years old or something like that. Do I say, oh, because he's an African-American male, do I let, and because of what's happening in the country, do I just let him go off with the warning type of thing, right? Or, you know, that wouldn't be right either. He almost hit a pedestrian in the, in the crosswalk, all right? But my interactions with him, my the words that I choose to use, the language, that I, my intent to put him at ease while also having to 
follow procedure as a police officer. These are the coalescing of things that I think a lot of police officers don't have. A lot of police officers go with the very, I don't know how to describe it, with the mentality that, you know, a black and white mentality. I think in our police force, and there's, it, was, it was funny, they said, they taught us something in the academy, which I went through about 11 years ago. They said, the further east you go, the more corrupt the police departments are. Meaning the older police departments are more, have more systemic issues, more problematic issues than the ones on the West Coast. I, as an American Muslim, as a police officer, as somebody who views myself as a Muslim first, as a believer in and then everything else, uh, I think there has to be more of us involved in policing. I don't, I don't think, I think there is the time for us to be on the outside to protest against the history of police brutality, which is rooted in the racism. But I also say as a Muslim, you can't just be on the outside. You have to get involved. You have yeah. to, to, to step into the process. You have to engage because if you're always outside, you're not, you're not always going to be understood. You have to be in the process. And is that, is that system and is that process ideal? No, it's not. But that should not hold you back from engaging. That should not hold you back because that, nothing is going to be perfect. Nothing is going to be 100 before you get involved. So it is important to get involved so you can create that change. Yes. So you can be the person in the in the group that is looked upon as respected. I would love it for a for there to emerge a group of American Muslim police officers, African American, immigrant, white, whatever, who are known within the policing community as uh, the, 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 the 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 fair arbiters, as the people who are truthful, as the people who do right. Uh, last thing I'll say, back in 1992, I think it was 91, uh, um, there was a seminar that I went to, and it was, there was speaking at the seminar was an FBI uh, agent. He was talking about the FBI and what the FBI, uh, how they hire people. Um, he said the FBI recruits specifically, not specifically, but they, they look very highly upon the Mormon community. They look very highly upon the Mormon community to hire. And I thought that was serious. So why do you look upon the Mormon community? To, he goes, because they have integrity. They have a truthfulness to them. Now that was back in 92. And I'm saying that for us as American Muslims, we need to engage. Not everybody is cut out to be a police officer. I get it. All right. But whatever angle you choose, whatever you can, we cannot rest. As, as I think Lofty was saying, we don't have the luxury of being in these United States and just, you know, we'll have our house and we'll go to our jobs and we'll come back and watch Netflix. And we'll just, we have to engage. We've got to move. And I like to think that's part of what I'm doing as, as a police officer. But I want to be clear. I've been at the Islamic Center in Southern California for about 46 of my 51 years. 
All right. And that informed my policing as well as the history that I've been so privileged to, to come to learn and understand over the course of time. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, Omar, I was on a task force looking at white supremacist violence against housing <coughs> worship. We were in Mississippi. One of the major findings there is the community said, we need law enforcement to be representative of our community. Right. Our community is one thing, and you get different ethnicities, different races representing us within law enforcement, that in and of itself is a problem. And I think we definitely need to do more of that in terms of promoting policy of equity uh, and representation within law enforcement. Uh, Omar Hakim, I wanna to go to you now. And by the way, we're, we're approaching the top of the hour. I imagine we're gonna run over to at least 15 minutes after the hour. I apologize for those who wanted to also comment from our audience. Uh, please put your comments on the chat box and we'll try to uh, 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 speak to them as much as possible, but we will not have time to get any comments from the audience at this time. Uh, but Omar Hakim, I want to go back to you. Um, you and I have been talking about the need to develop uh, an agenda um, in dealing with this problem, not just to you know, let it uh, evaporate after a few weeks or a few months uh, and dissipate into uh, oblivion, and, and then we go back to the same problem later. But, but one of the agenda items is with law enforcement. You have engaged them. You said that we need, there's a lot that we need to talk uh, about with them. By the way, one of the major law enforcement officers in the state of Minnesota, where George Floyd was killed by a police officer in Minneapolis, uh, the attorney general is an African-American Muslim named Keith Ellison. And he's doing wonderful work right now in the prosecution of the case. We should all take note of that work and support him as well uh, as, as he's trying to lead our country uh, in dealing with this crisis. Uh, but uh, Omar, I wanted you to speak about uh, the agenda that we need to be pursuing, maybe a point or two on that uh, in dealing with this crisis. Name Omar, Allah, most gracious, most merciful. Check one, two, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, First of all, before we get into this, I want to, there are, I'm given the opportunity to organize the Muslim community to give charity in the month of Ramadan. And there's a lot of good Muslim communities. I'm not going to name them all because if I leave somebody out, it'll be a problem. But they have, they have, they have given the African-American community who leads this action support. And you know who you are. Thank you. Um, second, when it comes to having a collective agenda, one of the main reasons that our community suffers because we do not have an agenda with 10 points that's gonna represent our values on a federal level when we go talk to these, when we do lobbying. So it's time for us to have a conversation about creating an agenda that can en encompass every, our, our community, our values from African-American to whoever, to everybody who's at the table. Um, last week, I'm an Isla LA community member and we came up with action items for solidarity against the murder of black men and women. So right now this agenda consists of these five situations, these five actions that we need to take right now. And then later when we, after this situation, I know we're gonna have a, a major conversation that we're gonna to convene to think of a political agenda 
to represent our voices into one voice. So on um, the action items, number one, call District Mike, call District Attorney Mike Freeman. He's in Minnesota to make sure that the murderers of George Floyd is are held accountable. And we cannot forget Ahmaud Arbery either. So call it number two. Muslim organizations, mosques, and centers must draft a letter of solidarity with black with the black community, in particular the black families whose loved ones have been taken and impacted by racial violence. This public this publicly displayed letter must be con must must condemn police brutality in all forms and speak out against racism against marginalized communities. So we're asking community members in the Muslim community to draft a letter of solidarity, which, which, will, which will bond our unity in this situation that we're facing together. And let this letter of solidarity not only be to us, but start a dialogue and conversation in your own community. On this call, you see members from different communities. So when you send this letter of solidarity, start the conversation within your own community. Number three, Muslim organizations, mosques, and centers must participate in the day of outrage that will take place on June 5th, where collectively each Muslim organization, masjid, and center across California and now across the nation, dedicate their Friday kutbah, which means religious talk, or record, it, or record a message condemning anti-Blackness, police brutality, and racism against marginalized communities. So we're asking for all communities in California and now across the nation on June 5th to utilize your, your, your convening, your religious talks and dedicated to condemning anti-Blackness, police brutality, and racism against marginalized communities. This is an action out of the Isla LA community here in Southern California. And I'm a part of that community as well as part of the larger, broader community in Los Angeles and Orange County. May Allah accept our efforts. Number four, Muslim organizations, mosques, and centers must commit internally to addressing anti-Blackness within their organization through training, education, dialogue, and a firm commitment to accountability. Must Subtopic A, we must make internal commitment to work with Black communities in their local cities as allies to address anti-Blackness within their community and congregation, publicly recognizing that this is a priority issue in the Muslim community. Since Bilal Ibn Rabah, since the interaction when Shaitan was told to get out of here, this has been a problem in our community. So this is an Islamic issue. And when Bilal Ibn Rabah, his, his freedom was, 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 was purchased by one of his brothers, I believe it was Abu Bakr, alayhi salam. So 
Um, number five, join local efforts to uplift justice and equality for the black community, including cause of calls to action, protests, history is being made and we must not sit on the sidelines. I want to make a quick reference. When Colin Kaepernick got into his situation, and he add, and we and the call came out to boycott football. You people kept watching football. You sat on the sidelines. You kept supporting your team secretly. We cannot afford to have that type of behavior right now. We have to get off the sidelines and get back on the field as a team member. This is not about. We have to make a sacrifice of what we love for what's better. So, and then on July 6th, on July 4th, the Cali Muslim rideout against anti-blackness and police violence, more will be, there will be a caravan led from Isla LA and Oakland Lighthouse Mosque to various locations of landmarks in the city of Los Angeles and Oakland. This is very historical. When I was a child, real quick, and we're gonna go over the time, so real quick. When I was a child, my foster mom, her um, her husband at the time, Lacey, used to read to me the Muhammad Speaks, because I was the first Muslim in my family, and they was wondering where the seed was planted at. And I don't, all I know, Allah written across my forehead for me to be Muslim. So what I'm saying is the, the urban communities, the black community has always had a sense of consciousness that was propagated by men and women, came through the long timeline into the nation of Islam, spreading the Muhammad speaks, reading it to a young black boy, and now we're here. So the urban community has always had a voice a, 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 a mind of consciousness. So now, if you really look on this call, and there's too many people for me to name, but it's so much diversity that's here that this is that this situation is not just my problem. It's the problem of our communities or Uma. So you can find these you can find these call to actions on the Isla LA page, on the M Foundations page, and the Muslim Public Affairs page, and Muslim Arts page. You can find it everywhere. Share this, share this across your pages, your profiles, tweet it out, and let's show solidarity over this next week, over this next month, over a lifetime until the day of judgment. Allah knows best when that is. Can I quickly, I just want to say the Islamic Center of Southern California, we pending board approval, we completely endorse this. We're going to be part of this. Consider us partners. You're on mute. Thank you. Uh, and, and definitely we endorse uh, all the points that Omar Hakim made. Uh, it's on the Islam page, MPAC page, and inshallah will also be on the uh, Islamic Center of Southern California page. But I did take note in particular, it's, you know, what's 
the, the most pressing point uh, Omar made is this Friday is a day uh, uh, of outrage that we will all articulate uh, on on Jamaat and uh, on the issues that have been laid out today. So, so, that so real, is number one, real, the time for solidarity. Yes. Real quick. Um, that's why I didn't, um, I'm glad the Islamic Center has provided this platform for us. Um, I've been blessed to have community partners from all over the situation, um, all over the world, all over the country. And this is an action for us all to take. There's more community partners that I can name, but again, I do not want to leave nobody name out. So thank you, Islamic Center, for this opportunity to present this as a national issue. Thank you. And again, yes, and thanks to the Islamic Center uh, for providing this platform. Uh, right now, we want to go to uh, Sister Katrina Hamilton again, um, and uh, and you had you you stated that you wanted to share uh, something on the screen with us. So go right ahead. Yes. Um, before I uh, quickly share the screen, um, I again just echoing everyone. Race is a social construct. Let's just be clear, and this comes from imperialism. Everyone on this call, our ancestors, we've all been either enslaved or colonized at some point. So that also help, that also plays a role in our deficit thinking of who people are and what they are not. You know, my people are empowered. We are amazing people. We have been amazing. We were Muslims when we were brought over here. You know, and Christianity, no offense to Christianity, but the way that Christianity was implemented here in this land was used to empower and to control our minds. And so, and subhanAllah, one of the beauties of Al-Islam is that we don't have to pray to a black man or a white man or a mixed man or any type of man. We pray to the most high. And when you have that seed, then it's really hard to really try to navigate your mind and, and, and control you. And so that's one of the main reasons why Al-Islam was stripped from us when we brought over here. So when I hear us say where I'm black, I'm brown, it's a social construct. You're a Muslim, you are human. Allah SWT created us in many tribes and nations to come together to know one another. But at the end of the day, when we die, we're not gonna be asked about, are you black? Are you white? Are you this or you that? Who is this man to the right? Your deeds are gonna stand up for you. That's what we're going to be asked. So until we, until we stop thinking about this as, you know, those are the black people, that's their issue. How can we help our black brothers and sisters? No, how can we help our brothers and sisters who are struggling? When one of us bleeds, we all bleed. When one of us hurts, we all hurt. That's the only way that we are going to really take ownership of this situation that's happening here and that has been happening. I am fatigued, racial battle fatigue. I am tired, I'm tired. I was young when we were talking about Rodney King. There's so many names. These young men and women who have died, one of them even my age, they're not the only ones and may God have mercy on their families. But it's just too many to count. And we can't continue to do this. And if you guys want to sit down and sit back and let Trump have another four years of destroying this country, then don't vote. Let's make America safe. America has never been safe for people who look like me and hasn't been safe for others, but especially for my people. So let's make America safe. I'm a back, backwards plan again as an educator. 
make sure you email, do whatever it takes to get Joe Biden to make sure that Kamala Harris is his VP. She is a proven prosecutor. We don't have time to be picketing and, and protesting and all that other stuff and, and risking our safety because of these hooligans that are coming out here as opportunists destroying our communities and getting us arrested with the National Guard coming down. We don't have time for that. But what we do have time for is for Sister Kamala Harris to be the VP to influence Biden so we can change these stand your ground racist lynching laws so we can stop brothers and sisters from being killed all over this country. Time is now. I used to say as a kid that I wish that I grew up in the 60s. No, it's now. It's now, it's now. My people have died. Our people have died for voting, for voting privileges. I am going to vote because there are too many African-Americans who have died for me to sit up and not vote. Mm -hmm. So if you guys wanna play, then, then don't show up and vote. Excuse me, I'm passionate about this because my people have died. They have laid their lives on the line for all of us, for Muslims, for Blacks, for everybody to be where we are today. So stop playing. Make sure that Biden chooses Kamala Harris and we need to change these laws that are killing us. It causes fatigue. I can't even watch this brother being killed. We need to, we, and, and brother, brother, Officer Ricci, alhamdulillah, I've had personal brothers who are African-American, who, who are Muslim, who have become officers and they needed to stop. Some of them, alhamdulillah, are still officers, but because of the institutionalized racism that takes place within police departments, it's a gang. Some of these police are gangs. Get Kamala Harris in there so like she said, we can have the Department of Justice come in and, and conduct independent investigations to get rid of these morons who are pretending like they're uh, police officers because all they are are vigilantes. We have a lot of good police officers, mashallah, but these bad police officers, these mentally ill, racist police officers who are continually killing our people are making it bad for everybody else. So if you really want to do something, you really want some action items, you really want some organization, you know, alhamdulillah, thank you for these Zoom sessions, but get your behinds out there and vote. Vote, 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 vote. That's the first thing. And make sure all everybody votes. And don't sleep on Generation X, because that's why we're here right now. We're tired and fed up too. So with that said, I'm sorry, I'm passionate about this. With that said, I'm going to share my screen and bring this back, bring this home. So save the date, and I put it in the chat that on June 29th, we're going to have um, Dr. William A. Smith from the University of Utah talk about racial battle fatigue. Because again, we're tired. I'm tired of looking at these videos of, 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 of Sandra Bland and, all, Bland and all these other women and men who are being killed. And, and, and it starts with our kids. It really starts with our kids. My baby is seven years old. And alhamdulillah, you know, again, thank you, Imam Tariq. You know, thank my mother who's no longer here, my father, Sister Rashida. There, I grew up with your daughter. I didn't have this situation when I was growing up because I went to Sister Clara Muhammad's school for a, a large portion of my life. So I had Muslims who looked like me, who taught me, who cared about me, 
I may have experienced colorism and all those other isms, but when it came to just racism, I didn't have that issue. So when my husband, subhanAllah, took um, Imam Tardik's position in, um, in Salinas Valley, we moved to Monterey County. And here I am from LA and I'm like, oh, okay, you know, no idea I'm going to the backwards place. And so I started off with my child going to an Islamic school in Santa Clara. And I'm trying so hard to shield my child from racism. And her first experience with racism was right at the Islamic school. You know, so, you know, the first thing that we need to do when we talk about institutionalized racism is eradicate the racism that's happening in schools because schools are the biggest institutions. We know that kids come home from, you know, kids see things at home and they, they hear things at home. So of course we as parents protect our own biases. And if we follow the Sunnah of Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, then we again would not have these issues but we need to, 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 to make sure that our Islamic schools are truly teaching Islam. We come with all these biases that we have discrimination against African-American Muslims, not just African-American Muslims, Black Muslims, Somalis, you know, Ghanaians, just Jamaican, Black people. We need to get past this, Muslims. We have to get past this. So these microaggressions and these macro level aggressions, you can see it here. My child is so fatigued. Look at her face now. She went to this school, this charter school where this little kid told her she was on a swing and her dad had what she wanted these pink boots and i said oh my god rakai get the you know get the brown boots and so she got the brown boots she gets to the school she's she's 6 years old and she's playing on a swing and this little girl tells her um i'm fast forwarding i'm out of the muslim school now cuz that's a whole nother hour but this little girl tells her that you know your boots are ugly now i'm already like okay her boots are brown and the little girl's boots are pink i already had to talk my child out of getting these pink boots because I didn't want to clean them, subhanAllah. But she tells her, your, your boots are ugly, mine's are pretty, your swing is slow, mine is fast because you're black and you're stupid. This is a four-year-old child telling my six-year-old child this. Now, to give you some context, I had her at this charter school that's play-based and it's Waldorf and it's all these things supposedly great. While I'm teaching at this charter school, like maybe five to 10 minutes away, and we're on a lockdown. So here I am as a counselor trying to save all these other kids from an active shooter who had Trump, you know, banner on his apartment. But I'm trying to save all these kids from, from harm. And I couldn't even save my own daughter from racism. This is the problem. This is the problem. So we are tired. And if you look down here to the left, you'll see that this is this young man from Columbia. He he went, he's a student at Columbia. He went to visit Barnard's library. This is a scholar. He all he wanted to do was go to the library and he's being harassed by police. And you can see the brother in the back who's working at the coffee shop, like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Or the library, what, what are you doing to him? You know, so we're, we're tired of seeing this. We're just exhausted, you know? And then if you look down to the right, here on the muscle level, these schools, local uh, districts and charters, 
This is an 11 year old little African American girl who is being beat up by a police resource officer. So when we, we, we talk about, you know, what we see with police brutality, which is horrific, but we, we don't talk about the systemic, you know, the systemic hatred of institutionalized racism that starts at home and in school and it filters through. And so if we're learning all of these systems of hatred, then, you know, as kids, we grow up to become police officers. We come, we grow up to be these folks who are scared of the black people. You know, we need to stop this. We need to stop this. And on a, a global level, you know, there, there are different levels. There are micro levels, there are meso levels, there are macro levels. You can see here that on a macro level, the Department of Justice, uh, U.S. Department of Justice, prior to you know this man being in office, had did a study showing that you know African Americans still have the highest suspensions of of, of um, highest rates of suspensions in schools. We still we police our kids at school, and our kids you know they come with all of this trauma from society societal ills. And some of them, when we're talking about COVID, they're wanting to stay at home. You know, they have to stay at home because some of our kids don't have pretty backyards to play in and move around. So when they come to school, it's like, oh, I can play, I can play. Now all of a sudden this kid has ADD and you don't know how to handle this child. And now we're suspending this kid and we're putting them on that path of trajectory to go to the prison. So we, we really need to, to, to call a spade a spade and, 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 and look at this. On a global level, lastly, people of African descent are discriminated against more than any other group in the whole entire world. There is research behind this. So what we can do again is let's just eradicate, like Imam Tariq said, let's blow up, I mean, not blow up the system, excuse me, eradicate racism, right? And one of the things that we can do is seek out professional training. You know, we have Muslim anti-racism collaborative with Sister Marjorie Hill, and they, and they provide training. We have the Muslim wellness for mental health aspect. You know, arm your children with different narratives about African-American Muslims. You know, the work that I do is based on um, trying to eliminate racism in schools. And one of the things that I've been uh, blessed with is the pen and writing. So look on Launch Good and support my efforts on um, my book, Malik and Rashid's Ramadan and, um, Ramadan and Eid Adventures. Our goal is to try to get this book out by uh, Id al-Adha. And it comes from a premise of an African-American family, a mother and a father, a child who is seven years old, who is fasting for the first time, even though he doesn't have to, because he wants to be like his big brother, Rashid. Thank so you. when we change the trajectory of how we look at African-Americans, and African-American Muslims, I guarantee you that we will be more harmonious as an Ummah. So uh, with that said, I'll put it in the chat box. Uh, yes. Thank you so much for having me uh, on here. Thank you for sharing these very important views and explaining the social construct. And 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 A, we, 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 we appreciate your views uh, on everything uh, from the political situation to law enforcement to what's happening with our children. And uh, let us know when your book is out. We'll definitely want to uh, promote it and I'll read it and have, have discussions. Thank you so much, Sister uh, Katrina. Uh, Wasi, we are over time, but we can never have enough of you. So you get the last word. 
uh, and uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up after that. Wasi Mormon. No, I, I, I think um, Sister Katrina really spoke um, to, uh, and I, I would just like to underscore that point of, of looking within ourselves and, and um, addressing our own biases and racisms within, within the Muslim community. Um, and thank you, Sister Katrina, for sharing that. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Um, number one, we really appreciate, again, the Islamic Center for providing the platform. Again, a pioneering <clears throat> effort by our center, and there's much to do. Uh, number two, I want to thank all the panelists. I wish we had more time. This really deserves a full day, if not a two-day uh, conference, which we will do as soon as we're able to uh, get back uh, and meet uh, individually, personally. Uh, number three, we'll, we'll endorse all these initiatives that were presented by our panelists, uh, especially what is on the Islah LA page. And then uh, we will uh, continue to monitor the situation with uh, the prosecution of the officer who killed Mr. George Floyd and, and all other prosecutions. And in the words of Kamal Abdul-Jabbar from the LA Times, uh, may, we may not have to have a rush for judgment, but we need to have a rush for justice. And uh, I believe that is uh, an Islamic imperative as well. The Quran uh, tells us, uh, as uh, was quoted in Surat uh, uh, number 49, verse 13, uh, that we have been made from a single pair and made into different tribes, uh, peoples and nations and tribes to get to know one another. And the best among us are those who are conscious of God. So that is a superiority. As the, as the Prophet ﷺ said, superiority is determined by our consciousness of God and by our good works. So with that, thank you very much. Assalamu alaikum.